This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Over the past two months, grocery stores have had shortages of lots of things, like toilet paper, hand sanitizer, and Lysol. And now, some stores are bracing for shortages of meat. Meat packing plants around the country have become hotspots for coronavirus outbreaks. Thousands of workers are getting sick, and more than a dozen plants have closed down, creating a major bottleneck in the meat industry supply chain. And this week, the president stepped in, issuing an executive order to keep meat plants open, saying it's vital to national security. Today on the show, the breakdown in the nation's meat supply. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, April 30th. The disruption in the meat industry has happened because of a breakdown at one link in the supply chain, meat processing plants, the places where cows, chickens, and pigs go to get slaughtered and packaged into what you buy at the grocery store. Lakeisha Bailey works at one of those plants, a Tyson poultry plant in Temperanceville, Virginia. Well, I work in the first processing department, which is live receiving and evisceration. It's pretty intense. Evisceration, Lakeisha's department, receives the carcasses after they're plucked. If you have a weak stomach, that is not the department for you. (laughs) You're seeing the insides of the birds on the line, the intestine, the heart, the lungs, the liver. I'm seeing the machines open the birds. Lakeisha's job is quality control. She's the one making sure chickens have been properly cleaned and that the factory floor is sanitary. This work is hard. And it's something our colleague Jacob Bungie has seen close up while covering the industry over many years. You're on your feet for hours at a time. Some of these plants, it's cold. They have to keep the meat chilled for food safety reasons. You're working with knives. You're working with cutting instruments. You're working on carcasses that are coming at you at a constant rate throughout the course of your shift. The meat worker injury and illness rates tend to run about two-thirds higher than the national average, and that's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So it makes meat processing a more dangerous job than working in a mine, for example, or construction sites. It's work oftentimes that a lot of people in America are not interested to do. A great deal of the workers in these plants are immigrants from Mexico, from Central America. A good deal of them are refugees from Southeast Asian countries or from Africa. And during a pandemic, there's one aspect of working at these plants that makes it especially dangerous. They're crowded. Meat plants are big, with lots of people working side by side. In the back end and second processing, which is deboning, cut up, and shipping, everyone is not even a foot apart. They are literally shoulder to shoulder. There's not much space in between at all. 
But it's not just the meat-cutting lines here. People are getting their uniforms on and off in the locker rooms all together. They're coming in and out of the plants in hallways together. With people working so closely together, the coronavirus can quickly spread. So far, about 5,000 meat and food processing workers have gotten sick or are self-quarantining, and 20 have died, according to the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union. And those outbreaks have attracted the attention of local authorities. For example, Smithfield Foods, the biggest pork processor in the country, their Sioux Falls plant was associated with more than 200 cases of the coronavirus. At one point in time, those cases represented about half of the whole state. So you had the governor and the mayor of Sioux Falls both urging Smithfield to really take a look at closing down this plant. This played out all across the country. It plants in Colorado, Pennsylvania, and Iowa, where a sheriff even got involved. But local government officials weren't the only ones pressuring plants to shut down. Their workers were, too. Purdue Farms chicken plant, you had workers walking off the job there in March because they didn't feel as though the company was doing enough to provide protective equipment and space people out. So the company responded, and they all for the most part, returned to the job the same day. You had a chicken plant run by Pilgrim's Pride in Virginia. There was a prayer in the plant grounds for the plant to shut down temporarily. So workers are really scared. And word travels, they hear somebody got sick, somebody else is showing symptoms, and people worry for their lives. When Lakeisha found out that someone at her plant had tested positive for coronavirus, she immediately started worrying. My mom has pulmonary sarcoidosis, lung disease. And that's the first thing that raised the flag, like, oh, crap, am I going to get my mom sick from this? Because I might be asymptomatic, but I could still be a carrier. What kinds of decisions were you trying to weigh for yourself? It was just very difficult because I'm a single mom and a part of me is like, oh, you might want to stay home for a little bit to ensure the safety of my kids and my mom. But because I'm paying bills, it's like, oh, I do still have to go to work because the bills aren't going to stop coming. Mm -hmm. I still have to provide food in my home. Eventually, Lakeisha says a plant manager told her that if she was concerned, she should stay home. So 11 days ago, she stopped going to work. She says she still doesn't know if she's going to get paid. And Lakeisha is not the only plant worker who feels afraid. I mean, you can feel the tension. You can feel the nervousness because there are people that are elderly. There are people that take care of their families outside of work. And we're starting to see team members not even go to work. They're not going because they're scared. A Tyson spokesman said the company recognizes that employees are anxious and said they've taken steps to protect workers, encouraging sick workers to stay home and increasing deep cleans of their plants. Tyson and other meat companies are also handing out masks, putting up plexiglass between worker stations, and in some cases, even redirecting traffic in the plant to better space out workers. But not all of these changes were put in place before some plants had to shut down. The week of April 6th is when we really saw this starting to hit the industry. More meat processing plants are shutting down because of clusters of coronavirus among their workers. Plants start to go down different parts of the country, one after another. JBS, 
one of the world's biggest meat companies. They announced that a beef plant that they had in Pennsylvania, where a number of people had shown positive signs of the coronavirus, they were going to shut it for two weeks. After that, one of the biggest producers of ground beef in the country, they said they were going to shut down beef plants that they ran in Pennsylvania. Smithfield, second largest plant that they run in Sioux Falls, a big pork plant that had been operating for over 110 years. In a single day, the number of infected employees jumped by 80, bringing the total to a staggering 598. Tyson Foods closed two plants in one day. Tyson Fresh Meat says it is pausing production at its facility in Washington state after more than 100 workers tested positive for COVID-19. In all, more than a dozen meat processing plants closed, disrupting production for millions of pounds of meat. And that's when the meat industry's problems began showing up on grocery store shelves. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. Welcome back. For 9 out of 10 Americans, meat is something that they eat every day. But considering how central meat is to Americans' diets, the industry's supply chain is surprisingly fragile. That's because meat companies have been consolidating for years. A single plant can process as much as 4 or 5% of the entire country's pork production. These plants are so big. They'll handle upwards of 10,000 hogs a day, 20,000 hogs a day. Thousands of people work at these plants, produce millions of pounds of food individually. When you start to see these operations go down, it takes a real significant chunk out of production. Meat industry analysts say that around 20% of pork production and 10% of beef production is shut down this week because of plant closures. And when that much production goes offline, there's no hiding it from consumers. In some cases, you're seeing in the grocery stores already more minimally processed meat. By that, I mean meat products with bones in them, for example. That's a direct reflection of the fact that the meat plants are trying to maximize production of the stuff that is the easiest for them to make. In other cases, you're just seeing less meat in general. And for farmers? This whole thing has been catastrophic. Because meat plants are shut down, farmers have had no place to send animals that are ready for slaughter. The real problem is in pig production for pork. If you don't get a pig off the market, they keep gaining weight. 
It costs money to feed them, takes space to house them. You run into the risk of overcrowding these barns. It can get dangerous both for the pigs and for the people trying to handle them. And for the farmers, they get penalized by the meat packers when their hogs get too big. And that's because the meat plant's equipment isn't set up to handle extra large carcasses. I talked to a farmer in southern Minnesota who was searching around for all these sorts of feed alternatives that he described like a salad for pigs. It'll fill them up, but it won't put too much extra weight on them. Hmm. Is that going to work? Doing these types of things will buy the farmer's time. But a lot of them still have deliveries of small pigs that they're going to take in just a matter of weeks. And it's a race against the clock for them to either get these full-grown hogs out of their barns or figure out something to do with them. With meat plants shut down, farmers are desperate to find other customers for their hogs. Jacob talked to farmers who are calling plants that are hundreds of miles away to try and find a place to send them, or who are selling them to mom-and-pop butchers. But farmers raise way too many pigs to solve this problem by sending a few to local butchers and putting the rest on a diet. Some farmers will be left with thousands of pigs and no one to take them which means some farmers will have to kill their animals. Farmers raise each and every one of these hogs for the most part with the thought in mind that it's going to eventually go to slaughter. But that's for the process of producing food for people. That's what they're farmers for, to spend all that time, raise these animals, feed them, house them, make sure they're healthy, and then have to take that animal and kill it and bury the carcass somewhere. It just depresses these people. But it's not just farmers who are upset and losing money. The meat companies are, too. And so in recent weeks, executives have been raising the alarm with lawmakers and the public, saying that these plants need to stay open. They say they need to stay open because closed meat plants are a food security problem and by extension, a national security problem. Jacob talked to Smithfield Foods CEO Ken Sullivan after the company had shut down its Sioux Falls plant. Smithfield is the biggest pork producer in the country. And the point Ken Sullivan was trying to make was that these plants need to operate to feed the country and to ensure the security of the nation. Now think about that for a second. The security of the nation turning on the ability of a pork plant to kill hogs and produce sausage and bacon. This is what Ken Sullivan had said. It's essential to life, in his view, to run these plants. Are we going to, as he said, let this atmosphere of fear that he described over the coronavirus cut into the food supply, cut into food security for Americans? said this is going to be something that we have to make the choice. And to him, as he said, there's only one right choice here. The choice being we have to stay open. Yeah. We have the choice, he said, to continue to run these plants or shut them down in response to concern over the virus spreading. As he said, there's only one option there. And we have to accept this as a society. Other executives started making the same point. The chairman of the country's biggest meat company, Tyson Foods, took out a full-page ad in national newspapers. He warned Americans of a coming meat shortage at grocery stores and said, quote, the food supply chain is breaking. These meat company executives had a message for the government. 
we need you to do something. And the government stepped in. Fox News alert on President Trump taking executive action, now signing an order mandating that meat processing plants remain open during the pandemic. On Tuesday night, President Trump signed an executive order that invoked a Korean War era law called the Defense Production Act. The law gives the government the power to order businesses to make things the country needs for national security purposes. He's declaring that the meat plants need to continue to operate, making the same sort of point about national security. The order means that states and local health departments can't shut the plants down. The order was a big relief to the meat companies. They're saying it gives a measure of certainty here that they'll be able to continue to operate. And it's important support that they can point to when they're dealing with local health departments or state officials that are concerned for the health of employees or the community in general and be able to say that there is a reason that they got to continue to operate and there is an authority here that'll allow them to do so. How did you react when you saw that President Trump signed this order to use the Defense Production Act to keep meat processing plants open? All I said was somebody just kissed a baby. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just threw my hands up like, unbelievable. Are you serious? Lakeisha doesn't agree that meat processing is so important that it has to stay open. After all, she says, there's other types of food people can eat. There's a lot of plant-based products being put out here. And Tyson is putting out plant-based beef, plant-based shrimp. I've, I've seen it on our website. I can live off of fish, squirrel, rabbit, and deer any day of the week. <laughs> I'm in the country. <laughs> <laughs> Whether or not this executive order actually prevents meat shortages will really depend on whether workers show up. Even with more safety procedures at these plants, workers still face a difficult choice. Go to work and potentially risk infection, or stay home, probably without a paycheck. It's a real economic choice that people are faced with, and a lot of them will go back to work. A lot of them say they want to go back to work, for that matter. I talked to a employee of a Kansas meat plant a couple of weeks ago. He was recovering from COVID-19. Said it knocked him out. He was sick for 17 days at that point. Figured he was on the way to recovery. We asked him if he was going to go back to work at the plant, which is where he believed he got it. There's no way to know for sure. He said he wanted to get back as soon as he could because he, he needed to make money and he needed to pay his bills and support his family. So... You'll see people come back, but uh, how many of them come back is going to be something that the executive order and the companies themselves can't entirely control. As for Lakeisha, she's not sure she'll go back to the Tyson plant. I've really started looking into finding another job, to be honest with you. I would not be able to live if I bought this home and gave it to my mom. Because all we have is each other right now. And she can't fight this lung disease alone. My kids and my family matters more than that place. That's what it's coming down to. I I look at it like this. Money is always going to be here, but I'm not going to get spared another life. That's all for today, Thursday, April 30th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. 
We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.